You're listening to a Sci-Fi Fangirls podcast. Geek like a girl. Hello, Xenites, and welcome back to Xena 25, the 25th anniversary podcast. I'm your host, Katie Wilson, and we have a very fun and special episode here for you today because I am being joined by three incredible Xena fans and three just overall very talented people. So let's just bring them in here. Uh, first up, we have Christopher Hartnick, entertainment journalist and Xena fan. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Next up, we have Emily Jermusic, a writer and also lover of Xena. Hey, Emily. Hey, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, we have Jessica Krause, and she is an incredible Xena cosplayer and fan as well. Hey, Jess. Hi, Katie. I'm so excited that we're all here together getting to chat about Xena Warrior Princess. Literally... In a, like never in a million years would I have expected that 25 years later I'd get to be talking about this show still. How do you guys feel about that? Did you ever think that a show that you watched, you know, and loved would still be being talked about like today? No, I honestly, I A, didn't think anybody would still be talking about it and B, I didn't think anybody would, would care what I had to say about it, so... <laughs> It's also just so weird because 20 years ago, I was a kid and watching any TV show, you were like in a vacuum. You had no idea like other people liked a thing, at least where I was. So it's just kind of crazy to be able to find fans everywhere now who like loved it. It's so interesting. Like you like finding fans when you find them now, it's just they're also nice and they're also welcoming. And I feel like everyone like like I was a kid when Zeno was on first and it was such an important part of my childhood, I feel like, in like a formative way. And it, it kind of kind of sparked me on this career of, of being like an entertainment journalist and loving television so much. And then when you meet people now, they are, they all have that fond memory because it is like such a, for some, such a specific moment of childhood and, and like it just brings up so many like great memories for them. So everyone always just seems like cool and happy to talk about it. Oh, yeah. When I cosplay as Xena, so many people just point at me and shout, my childhood, (laughs) and barrel at me from across the convention hall and give me a big hug. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I, I, it's so crazy to me because I feel like I grew up and no one I knew was watching Xena except for me. So I got made fun of on the playground when everyone else was like, I'm going to be Belle and Ariel. Uh, and we're going to run around and pretend to be princesses. I was like, cool. I'm Xena. Or I remember one time I was like, you guys can all be like lions from the lion King, but I'm going to be Velasca because she had the ambrosia. And so basically I'm a God. And this is like six, seven year old Katie running around a playground. So (laughs) I was that weird (laughs) Xena kid, you know? Oh, I used to have a baseball bat and uh, a Frisbee in my front yard. So yeah, I I can relate to that. (laughs) Sword and chakram. I I got it. I got it. So I do want to kind of go around and hear your Xena Warrior Princess origin story. How did you first start watching it? What was it about the show that like made you want to keep watching it? Uh, Let's start with Chris. I remember this very distinctly because it was the Cradle of Hope episode and my dad had said, he, he knew I was a fan of Wonder Woman and superheroes and comic books. And he called me upstairs to, you know, it was on his TV and he said, why don't you watch this? And I wasn't interested. 
I, I, for some reason, I just, you know, it was new. I wasn't, I had no background in it. And then he came home from a work trip uh, and I'd give him a list of action figures that I was looking for in the city. And he came home with the first Xeno one from the Hercules toy line. And I was like, oh, I need to know more. I need to know who this like fierce warrior is. I need to know the story here. And I like dove in and never looked back. Um, I, a friend of mine, uh, talked me into watching Hercules. And so I did. And one day I just forgot to turn the TV off after Hercules was done and Xena started playing. And I was like, Ooh, what is this? I was like, Oh, it's, it's like Hercules only better. And then, and then, you know, I noticed all the lady in leather action and I was hooked. (laughs) (laughs) Gay little nine-year-old me was like, Ooh, (laughs) Uh, mine was so random. I I missed the first couple of seasons. I had never heard of Hercules. I just was a little kid, so I didn't have control of the clicker. But my family was really into sitcoms and comedies. And I would sneak out of bed on Saturday nights to watch Saturday Night Live late at night. And somehow I just kept staying up late one night and Xena was playing afterwards because NBC owned show. And it was the episode, and it's so confusing, but it was the episode where Xena and Kalisto swapped bodies. The first episode I ever saw wasn't even, like, the correct performance. And I just was, like, so confused what was even happening. But I just really liked Gabrielle, and I liked it was female-centric. And I was already into Egyptian mythology at that point. There weren't Amazons, really, in that one yet. But, or, they had them, but not in that episode. But, uh, yeah, I just was seeing so many, such like a female squad and female empowerment and have it be so different from anything else I had really watched at that point on television because all I was watching was sitcoms. It just kind of like grabbed me right away. Yeah, I feel like my story is pretty similar to all of you guys. I was just a little five-year-old kid who stayed up a little too late one night. Um, But I was lucky because I caught the last 10 minutes of Hercules And I believe it was the gauntlet, which like a five-year-old, like that's a pretty intense episode for a five-year-old, right? But it really showcased like this incredible warrior woman. And then I saw a commercial where it was like, stick around because the series premiere of this new show, Xena Warrior Princess, this uh, uh, warrior woman I just saw is going to have her own show. And so I stayed up to watch it. And my mom came in and she was like, it's like 9.30, you need to be in bed. And I was like, mom, please, you don't understand. She's like, I'll, I'll, she puts in like the VHS and she's like, I'll record the rest of it for you and you'll watch it tomorrow. So basically, since it was on past my bedtime, she would record it every night for me. Um, I don't think that in a normal circumstance, like my mom would let me necessarily watch, you know, as a five-year-old, but, um, at that time, she was uh, going through cancer treatment. And so I think that she really found that that's a show that she and I could watch together and kind of like showcase like strong females. Um, and it was something that that I, I really think she was able to kind of be like, oh, well, you know, let's watch this together and we can have something that we, you know, can can watch this like strong warrior woman uh uh, you know, kicking ass. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my story. And then I just became like obsessed because when I like something, I like really like something. <laughs> Emily's shaking her head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's kind of my story. But is there a certain like episode or moment in one of the 
in one of the episodes that was kind of like that monumental moment or episode for you? I recall uh, being incredibly devastated by the rift between Xena and Gabrielle in season three and the musical episode. Uh, I think I still know 90% of all the lyrics to it. Me too, me too. My heart is hurting beyond words. Oh, I, I could go on. And then the, the finale where Gabrielle sacrifices herself. I, I believe at the time, I don't know if I was like on the message boards yet, but I also didn't know enough about TV to know that Renee O'Connor would obviously be back in season four, but I just remember watching that episode and just being like, oh my God, I, I she just sat, like, she's dead. Like what's going to happen now? And just waiting for season four to, to begin. And then that's, I think, kind of sparked the, like, I'm going on message boards, I'm going online. I think it was also like really old enough to kind of do that without, I guess, parents questioning what I was doing. And then that's that season three was very formative, I, I believe, for me. I think for me, it was the quest when uh, Xena has to borrow Autolycus's body and, you know, just happens to throw in a little kiss, little kissy kiss in there. I recorded that on VHS and watched just that scene over and over again until I broke it. And I was so upset and I had to wait for that episode to come around on TV again so I could record it again. <laughs> That was my reason for falling in love with the show is just I saw in them something I hadn't realized about myself yet. So seeing those two be together, I was like, oh, that's me. That's what I want. And that was my only exposure to that. So I just latched onto that with every fiber of my being. <laughs> for me, it's a tie. I feel like that's cheating, but it's fine. Um, once I figured out when and how the show aired on TV, because I was always tricky when you're a kid, Hooves and Harlots, because it's just oh. Amazons, again, just upset, just seeing a tribe of women working together. You just didn't get that. I also went to Catholic school. That's not a thing that they talk about in Catholic school, women working together. No, it doesn't happen. So there was that, and I had a bunch of sisters, so we could kind of pretend we were the Amazons and kind of live that out in our backyard. So that was one, and that really kind of got me hooked on the show. And then the one that kind of changed how I looked at TV was Sacrifice, where Gabrielle, it seems like she's going to die. I also looked up the date that aired, aired the same week that Ross said, I, Ross, take thee, Rachel, on Friends. So you have like two massive TV clicker, or cliffhangers happening in like one week. I think my kid brain probably was like exploded. I probably had no idea how to handle that at all. <laughs> wow. It's so hard for me to even answer that question because... I feel like there are so many lessons I remember from Xena. One of my favorite lessons that Xena teaches Gabrielle is from the first season. I think it's even the second episode, Dreamworker, um, where she says, uh, if you can run, run. If you can't run, you know, let them fight it out and then run. Uh, and, and it's all about like, instead of having to go and, and actually get angry or, or have to shed blood, you can actually like use your words, you can, you can try diplomacy. Um, and that's something that always really resonated with me. As far as monumental episode, I gotta, I, I, Chris, like, I feel like I'm on the same page as you because the, the bittersweet was an episode unlike anything I'd ever seen on TV, because I was, I was really only like, Xena was sort of an adult show and it was really the only adult show I was, I was watching at the time. Cause I know, you know, other shows did musical episodes, but I had never seen that happen before. 
And for me, I was like, I love music. I love musicals and watching their, just kind of seeing how the show was able to take something that was just so horrible, like this rift between two friends and just like, it was agony watching the the episode before that. You know, you're watching both of their children die. You're, you're, you're seeing this hatred that these women who are soulmates, that the, the hatred that they have for each other, um, and how the show was kind of able to keep the stakes raised for a resolution while lightening it a bit by making it a musical. But not, and, and that's only like a couple of the songs because then it, it's still like dark and gritty and dramatic. And, you know, I, I always say that um, this show was the reason why I got into acting and, and moved, wanted to, to, to do all of this in the entertainment industry because I wanted to make other people feel what this show made me feel as a kid. It was like I was laughing one episode, I was crying the next episode, and it was because of this show. And it, you know, really just meant a lot to me. It was all original music and it was such a departure from what they had done before. And then, you know, to go from Eternal Instincts to the, to the Bittersweet and then The Quill is Mightier, which is like a, one of my favorite episodes just because of how funny it is. Yeah. And it's like, you've got that, I believe it was three weeks in a row. Like that yeah. was the order of the episodes. And it's like, where, where was any other show on television doing this? Yeah, you don't get that. Even, to, even today, you don't get that. Which I'm always, I'm always like, I, like I see, I, I actually talked to Lucy and Renee about this. I, I was like, we see little pieces of Xena within shows today, but we do not have a show like Xena. And, you know, that kind of just leads me into to wanting to chat with you guys about like, what, what do you think it was about Xena that has really continued to just resonate with people even 25 years later? I mean, you mentioned it with the, the message, the, the, do good, you know, the greater good, do, uh, you know, be better, love who you love. And it's still out there. You know, we're still struggling with this stuff today and it, we shouldn't be. And also like, you know, every time a, a movie or a show opens and it's successful with like female leads, it's like, well, like you get those people like talking about it where it's like, Oh, it's an anomaly. Oh, blah, blah, blah. we're still having that conversation and we really shouldn't be. And like Xena was like doing this, you know, 25 years ago. And it's just like, it's crazy that all of this is still a topic of conversation today. And that is why it, I think it still resonates and why we're, we're all still talking about it right now. It's so interesting that it, it attacks, not attacked, to discuss so many different religions. I can't think of another show that when it, they might've visited other cultures or had one character be representative of a culture, but this show actually had these women traveling all over the world. And they never once said, well, I've met Greek gods, so your gods can't be real. It was always, oh, I have Greek gods, what do you have? Because they all exist together, and we're all trying to find, essentially, nirvana. They're all just trying to find that karmic gold, that karmic light. Um, but they, that was the whole show, was that journey. And I think that's what people today are also kind of searching for. How do we find the light at the end of the tunnel, however might, that might be? Um, and so it just gives that hope that was at the center of the show. Hope for Zena to redeem herself, hope for Gabrielle to find her peace. Um, yeah, it's just really beautiful. I can never hear Zena uh, and the word hope together because I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, not <laughs> hope. I know. Anything but hope. <laughs> I think it was just so multifaceted. I think 
so many people took different things away from the show. Like it just spoke to so many people. It spoke to the people that wanted to see Zena and Gabrielle together. It spoke to the people that wanted to see Zena and Aries together. It spoke to people who wanted to see women power. And I'll never forget, I got in an argument with this person. We'll say person sometime or one time <laughs> where he told me that Zena was a terrible show. So right there, he's just a terrible person, just right out the gate. And he said, Zena and wrong, just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it gives women dangerous ideas. It gives them dangerous ideas that they can stand up to men and win. Yeah, this this person was being sincere. Like they weren't joking. Like they sincerely thought it's going to make women get hurt. And I'm like, what? Women power and, and equality and, and just so many, so many facets. And I think that's why it endures because it just innumerable reasons. I feel like that's, it was that sort of mentality that made me want to learn, like, as a kid, I was like, I'm doing horseback riding, I'm doing karate, I'm doing sword lessons, I'm doing archery. Like, I, I was going to be Xena. And anytime someone, because I, I watched on Xena, she could do a round off back handspring. So I think I was like, way too old to be learning gymnastics. Like, the teachers are like, you know, there's like an age where you, like, you can really learn gymnastics. And you're like a little outside of that. I was like, I don't care, I'm learning. Xena can do it, I can do it. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's gonna tell no one's gonna tell me no um if Zena can do it I'm gonna do it um I never mastered getting to fly through the air but um still working on that one <laughs> I just remember like as as like a little gay kid who wasn't out like just watching what you know watching the subtext become main quote-unquote main text and all that and just kind of experiencing you know, the, these two women loving each other and openly at times and seeing that on TV. And it just was one of the first times I had ever seen that in something that I loved so passionately and something that had such a big fandom. And it, to me, it just, it, it was awe-inspiring and it kind of, uh, you know, made it, made, made me more comfortable in, in who I am. And I think that's, that's one of the attributes of the show that, that obviously still resonates with, with everyone that I've, talk to I think like that that loves the show loved it and and grew up with it like that no one thought they shouldn't be together it was literally never brought up it was just accepted effortlessly and god I want that so much (laughs) television has gotten better as far as representing um gay and lesbian couples as well as allowing for women to be the leads of a show and not have to follow behind a, a male lead and so I really do think that Xena was kind of like the launching, like the launch pad for a lot of that because it was a successful show. It's still being talked about today. Thousands and thousands of people still show up at conventions for Xena. So I, I really do think that Xena was a show that kind of paved, paved the way for modern day television. But speaking of conventions, who here has been to a Xena convention? Me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the odd one out. I'm oh, so no. bummed. I'm so bummed. This pandemic okay. has to end so I can go to one. <laughs> I, know, I know. You were gonna go with me to the Xena convention this year, but unfortunately was. <laughs> it was it was canceled and moved to April of 2021, which yes. we will be at. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I want to hear about your guys' uh Xena convention experiences. Do you remember your first convention and did you cosplay? I went to one convention um, with my dad. It, we, it was in New York City. I remember, I remember that being the bigger. I grew up about an hour and a half upstate. I just remember it being a big deal that like he was taking me. And I believe it was between. I think it was during season six, maybe. 
I don't remember much about it. I just remember being like really overwhelmed. I did, however, after the show ended, I, I think I was like 14 or 15. I flew across country for the first time by myself to visit my uncle in San Diego because Renee O'Connor was doing a like community production of Macbeth. And I had like read that she was like doing a meet and greet thing there. And it was like, you just showed up and like, you know, went and could talk to her and take a picture and stuff. And I did it. And I was like a very nervous, <laughs> nervous kid. I still am a very like anxious person, but like to get on a plane and to go do this by myself and to, you know, stay with my uncle and like we rode on his motorcycle through like LA, like LA traffic. It was like crazy that, that I did this. And I, I remember all that vividly. And like, I still have that picture with my brace face and weird spiky hair. And it, like, it's a kind of, it feels like a defining like teenage childhood moment where, where like I did that and, and it was such, it was just so big uh, for me. My first scene of convention was 2012 and it was marketed as the last convention ever. And we, you know, saw how that turned out. And I didn't <laughs> know there were Xena conventions. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I guess I was asleep. I had to go because it was the last one and it was so important to me. And I actually, I sold my car and I got two extra jobs and I barely raised the money to go. And I knew I couldn't afford a hotel room by myself. So I got on the message boards and I was like, does anybody have room in their room? I'll sleep on a floor. I don't care. So I roomed with four other people that I had never met before in my life. I was just assuming I wasn't being catfished by people online. They're like, you can sleep in our room. I'm like, I probably won't die. It's fine. So I went and that was a whole drama I'm not going to get into. And um, I didn't have any money to eat. But I was just so excited to be there and alcohol runneth over. So I get there and it's a lobby full of lesbians. And first of all, never in my life have I ever been anywhere where it was majority of gay people, let alone lesbians. So I was just like, I think I got hit by a bus on the way here and I've died and I'm now in heaven because this is just perfect. I couldn't ask for anything more. I was just loving my life. And then somebody was like, here's a shot. So... I spent pretty much three days drinking and not eating anything and then met Lucy Lawless. <laughs> wow. And I remember thinking I was in line to meet her and I was shaking cause I hadn't really slept and I'd been drinking since I, three days. Thinking, don't fall down. Don't fall down. Don't fall down. And I remember getting closer and closer to her and my tunnel vision was starting cause I was just so tired and shaky and hungry. <laughs> and I got up to her and all I managed to say was thank you. And she gave me a hug and I got my photo and I managed to get out of the room and not fall down. But I just, I just remember that whole time being like, dear God, please do not let me fall down in front of Lucy Lawless. <laughs> oh yeah. And where, where were you living at that time? Like, where did you grow up? Cause you said this was the first time that you've ever been in a room with so many gay people, especially lesbians. So what, what, where in the country did you, did you grow up? Eastern shore of Maryland, just very, very, very small towns up until very much recently, I've only ever lived in small towns, so I haven't had a gay community. So my my community has always existed online. Yeah, I feel like I have, I have a lot of really embarrassing stories, and unfortunately, they all revolve around <laughs> Xena. I was a part of the Xena online community for quite some time. I was very much a lurker. Um, and then in 2008, 
I became more of a, of a voice within the community and I met a bunch of wonderful people online. Uh, and I had never been a part of like a message board or anything like that. I was like, I'd never even heard of Yugu before. And I'm like, okay. So anyway, these, all of these wonderful people who at the time were probably like my best friends were like, Hey, we're all going to the Xena convention and you live down the street. Are you going? And I was like, uh, I guess I am now. Cause I was always so afraid to go and like not know anyone or not be accepted within like already established groups of, of friends. Um, so I went and I met these people from all over the world. I remember one girl lived in Singapore and because I lived in LA, she shipped to my house, her, her katana for her cosplay. <laughs> it's strange, but I ended up meeting the most incredible people through the convention. Um, and a lot of them I'm still friends with and have been very lucky to, to be able to, you know, interview for, for Xena things. I remember my first convention walking in there being like, oh my gosh. And this one woman had made name tags for all of the Xena online community people. I think they were lanyards now that I'm thinking about it. And I remember going up there and she goes, you're, I have many skills. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I am. And I was like, I have a name card. I belong here. Like I finally like found a, a place that I felt like people who loved Xena like really understood me. Uh, oh, another embarrassing story. Sorry, we've, we've segued, uh, but I've got one. I've got one oh, here ready. Can't wait. Can't wait. So when I was in high school, we're going back a little bit. When I was in high school, I was vice president of the drama club and I convinced my drama teacher that it would be a really great thing for our school and our drama club to invite an actor to come to our school to talk. And I grew up in Arizona. So I'm on like my space like <laughs> Lucy and Renee and like, I'm reaching out to like all the actors of Xena. And I actually got a response from Adrian Wilkinson and Adrian <laughs> My mom and I picked Adrian up from the airport <laughs> and drove her to my high school. And I tell, I, uh, I've, I've had conversations with Adrian since, like as an adult, but I don't think she knows I'm that person. So anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, secrets out. Um, so yeah, Adrian actually came to my high school and made this, incredible like she went above and beyond with this presentation that she brought it had clips of all of her acting work she she basically had like a whole like breakdown of how to be an actor how to work professionally in the industry and I'll never forget every single person like who was in that audience was so moved and inspired by her that I want to say more than half of them are now like pursuing their dreams in an entertainment industry position. And if you ask them to this day, they're like, you remember that girl from Xena that you liked that you brought? Yeah. She just had some, she just really inspired me to like go out and do it. And so I, to this day, I've never like had the opportunity to be like, Hey, you've actually inspired a lot of people. <laughs> and you know, it was probably such a small group. You should. So. I mean, like if she's, if she's not listening, tell her this next time. <laughs> I, I should just shoot her an email be like, Hey, uh, it's so embarrassing though. Cause I wasn't sure if she like actually enjoyed her time there. Um, because you know, it's a bunch of high schoolers, but anyway, 
That's an embarrassing story. And then I have many, many, many embarrassing Lucy stories, but Chris, I want to hear yours. As, as, as an, like uh, a journalist and entertainment writer, I've talked to and met so many of my childhood heroes and just people that I, you know, that I've, that I grew up revering that I never thought I'd get a chance to meet and interact with. And this was years ago when Spartacus was on and I was, I, it came up that, you know, Lucy was available for an interview. I was working at Huffington Post and it, like we set it up. I spent like hours getting all my questions ready. The, the call starts. I start off by saying, you know, I read you just lived, uh, gave Liam McIntyre uh, a shock room when he joined the show and I'm so jealous. And we talked for, I feel like it was more longer than a half hour, which you know, usually it's, you get 10 minutes on the phone with the person and you have, you, you have to make the connection so quickly. And we, we were talking, I, you know, got out that I loved the show obviously with, with that. And we, we just kind of kept talking. And I, I remember this so vividly because it was at towards the end of the conversation. And I had said, you know, you know, are you, are you still singing kind of, would you ever do something? I feel like I said, like, would you ever, because like I grew up loving Wonder Woman, like I have a Wonder Woman tattoo. Like I said, would you ever do like a, you know, a duet with like Linda Carter? Cause Linda Carter was also like singing and stuff. And <laughs> Lucy said, are you sure you're not gay mate? And I said, Oh no, I am. I'm like, I'm a very, I'm very gay. And she said, I thought you said you had a wife. Like, so I was so confused while we were having this conversation and she asked for my address and I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. And then she got arrested on the oil tanker for Greenpeace. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm not getting whatever she was going to send me. And then like, a couple of days later, a giant package arrived with like a New Zealand, like, you know, postmark, whatever, and outslid a chakram. People that are listening cannot see it, but it's, it is in my, proudly in my apartment and a, a signed animated cell from the Xena uh, Hercules movie and a, a personalized note that said, uh, I have it here as well. So I'll just read it so I don't have to, to quote it. Uh, dear Chris, don't say I never gave you nothing. I hope you enjoy the Mach 2 Chakram. Remember to use your powers only for good. Best wishes, Lucy Lawless. And I, of course, uh, took many photos with it, and I still do. And I sent one to uh, her publicist with a split of me as a kid with the plastic Chakram I had gotten oh. for Christmas one year and with the one she sent me. And uh, I met her for the first time in person like a year later. And she said she didn't remember it, <laughs> sending that stuff. And I was like, it's okay. Obviously, I, it left an impression. And I remember, like, after that meeting, I believe I almost got hit by a bus because I was texting so many people, the oh, photo, and, and just, like, was just so overwhelmed. And that's just how you know that the show, you know, it's, that's just my story. But you know the show meant so, many, so much to so many people when, like, things like that happen. And we all have these stories that are, like, absurd like that. They really are. And I, I, I tried to, to explain to Lucy, cause I, I even felt, I feel like when I, when I have talked to, to her about, you know, her, the impact that she or the show has had on, on people. I mean, she comes from definitely a different place. You know, she was hired to portray a character. Um, and so I think hearing stories like that is, is exactly what, what, what it comes from, you know, being this, this, amazing characters like you get to hear wonderful stories about how Xena helped 
someone figure out who they were or who, who they wanted to love or, you know, just inspired them to be strong or courageous. Oh, that's such a cool story. And you're like, uh, you're the luckiest person in the whole world. And I'm sure everyone listening is like, wow, we, uh, we hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> I've interviewed her a couple of times since. And like, I don't, I tend not to bring it up just because it's like, we don't, whatever. Like it, that was like a moment. It was thing, a moment. It happened. And <laughs> I, I, I'm just waiting. I think the last time I talked to her, she was, it was uh, for my life is murder. And I was, you know, it was right before the the new Terminator came out. And she said, oh, I want to, I want to do what Linda, Han- Linda Hamilton did. And I was like, yes, why isn't that happening yet? Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't we having the Xeno revival, whether it's a miniseries or a movie or, or, or something to just to see, one to rectify the finale because I have I have my own personal feelings about the finale. Um, right. So I, so yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I want to talk about. Uh, are you guys pro reboot or pro revival? Emily, how about you? What do you think? Revival. I, I don't ever think you should start a story from the beginning, mostly because I just don't want to see the same stories. And so and how and if you were to start it over and do Gabrielle and Zena meeting again. I just don't know how you would do it without having a companion show on Hercules. I don't know how you would do it without thinking about Xena and Gabrielle, like the actors who played them, the way the makeup was done, the way everything was done was so of the time. I don't want to see those stories redone in a different way. I'd rather continue it and see how it goes or pass the baton. If you have to do it, pass the baton and like, let, but let them show them and let them do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think I feel about the same way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really enthusiastic about either one. Um, <laughs> I tend to be kind of eh about reboots because I just love the original so much. Like, I get that it's like, you know, you you learn from your mistakes, you make it better, you yeah, okay. But I just the original's so good. I'm not really enthusiastic about a reboot or a revival. I would love to see Lucy and Renee together again on screen especially like the finale ending was not great. <laughs> I think we could all say that, like leaving Xena dead like that and, you know, with the weird ghost, but not ghost, but maybe. And she's like, just in like a little teapot. And it's like, I, it, she deserved better. The fans deserve better. The char- like the characters deserve better. The fans deserve better. Um, I think they know that too. So. Chris, would you have yeah. gone back and just shut, cut the show off at season five or would you have stopped it two episodes before the finale in season six? Season five, like with the time jump? Yeah. Like, would you just like, yeah, just end it season five, end of season five, just end it. And like, that's it. Or do you just say, all right, let's close it out. Let's see what happened to Olivia slash Eve and play it out. But then you don't get Akimi and that whole segue at the end. <sighs> That is a I don't that is a tough question. <laughs> I think I think I would see season six, but like I wouldn't do that ending because there was like some there were some great episodes in season six and like they really embraced like a lot of the action elements, but also like they didn't shy away from a lot of the camp stuff. Like I was just watching Send in the Clones, which is an absurd episode when you try and like wrap your head around like they're clones, but they are themselves, but like there are actors playing them on television and then they're like eating pizza and like like there's all sorts of stuff going on uh but that's what made Zeno so great like we said it just like it had you know these these moments that you don't see on television anymore in this that just run the like spectrum of uh, you know action and and great storytelling and like campiness that like I think I would just not do friend in need I think we would just (laughs) yeah 
and and before that. I'm like so on board with that because I, I some of my like ugh, I love some of the episodes in season six. Like to Helicon and back is an incredible episode. Husker Khan is one of my favorite episodes. Like if you were to ask like top three, Husker Khan would definitely be in there. Um, but the tricky part about just ending it at season five is like that time jump like wrecked a lot of stuff. Like I, I wasn't a huge, I'm not a huge fan of time jumps in general in, in shows, but it made sense. You know, they followed uh, Lucy's like real pregnancy and that was uh, an aspect of the show. And uh, which is so funny. Cause then if you're watching like Win- Winona Earp currently, it's kind of like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, both kind of similar storylines there, but yeah, they did the time jump, I think, to not have to have her have this tiny baby for the whole <laughs> rest of the, the season and a half, but I would absolutely have just, just let them fight the evil and, and, you know, it was all about the greater good and it was all about these two women who were each other's soulmates. They loved each other and no matter what, they were going to be together and, while we did sort of get that vibe of like them being together, like it just, it just didn't need to end that way. And I feel like there's like, I mean, obviously we've had 25 years to think about this. (laughs) There's so many other options I would have preferred for a finale that, you know, I at least would have just allowed them to be together, whether it's they both go to the Elysian fields together or they are on to the next, you know? And, and I think as fans, we would have probably accepted that a little bit better. Right. I don't think I would have liked it if it ended when like Gabrielle has Zena's ashes and it's like about to pour it into the, the, no. like, the fountain. <laughs> and then like it cuts up like Soprano was like, just cuts black. <laughs> like n- no way that wouldn't fly. But I, you know, remember, I remember cause I watched like, I think I've watched all these like videos and the DVDs, like the last scene that they shot was, with them at the fire at the water tower putting out the fire in that village and you know you could tell there was like a moment of like finality there and i was like end it there all right they yeah. saved the town and like mm, we don't need to we don't need to go through all that ever also it's like if you're gonna establish a show where the characters have already died three plus times and your finale is to kill a character we're all sitting there like yeah no we don't buy it <laughs> Xena went to freaking Tartarus to find Gabrielle. Come on. Like they could have just ended it with sending the clones and they could have just been like, the last thing we see is them eating pizza and driving or no, they were clinking glasses. That's what it was. They didn't have pizza. That was earlier. Riding off into the sunset on their taxi, clinking wine glasses that they somehow magically got in the back of a taxi or my favorite episode in the whole world. Many happy returns where Zena gives Gabrielle a lesbian love poem and then they just float off into the sunset. They literally go into the sunset. Perfect ending. Hello. (laughs) I mean, sending the clones would be, you know, just make it like the the revival so much easier. Like we get them in modern day, like all sorts of craziness. You know, I think, I think for me, as far as reboot or revival, I would love to see a standalone, like another episode, like, just one more episode, a short little, you know, 47 minute little episode where they get the gang back together. They, it's just like very typical Xena. It has its funny moments and it has, it's all written by the same writers and, you know, directed by the same directors, you know, similar locations. 
and we just kind of get like another thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, cause I don't want a full revival. I know Lucy doesn't want to do like a full, you know, revival. And a lot of the other actors are like, I'm too old. I don't want to do it. You know, I had the opportunity to talk to Ted and he was just like, no, nah, let some young guy go be joxer now. And I'm like, nah. It'd be like Chris <laughs> Hemsworth is like joxer. And it's like, I, I, like. <laughs> it broke my heart. I was like, no, no, nobody can be joxer. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think just having like, even just like a little TV movie or anything like that, just to give us, give us that little bit of closure and give us Zena and Gabrielle off in the sunset you know, just doing their thing and I'd be happy. But if they reboot it and the cast and or Rob Tapper aren't in, attached to it, you're going to get some angry Katie. <laughs> I read that script. It was interesting. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> I think I started reading it too and then I was just like, oh, no, no, no. So, guys, I actually have a fun little game, but it's actually quite a little bit of a difficult game. It's called Complete the Quote. I'm not getting I'm going to give you some Zena quotes. I know I couldn't even get half of these, trust me. But something might, something might like, you know, pop up in your brain. But I'm going to provide you with uh, the first half of a quote. And the first person to complete it gets a point. <laughs> and what you win is a congratulations. <laughs> All right. First one is, I'm just a girl in search of a... I've got nothing. No? Yeah, I'm just thinking Notting Hill. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a girl in search of a really good sword. Hmm. Mm. I know. That, I, these are really hard. Well, also, because that's from the finale. <laughs> Which we just... <laughs> and we were just like, that's the one we don't watch the most. We edited that one out of our brains. We just know it was yeah. bad. <laughs> I did watch it the other day when it was on sci-fi. Yeah. The, like, yeah, the only reason I remember the past episode is because I just was just doing like a rewatch of some episodes. <sighs> All right. Sometimes the best man for a job. Is a woman? Yes. Do you know who says it for, set, for two points? No. <laughs> Aries says it. Sometimes mm. the best man for a job is a woman. I, I knew we weren't talking Zena Gabrielle there. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was Aries. Okay, this one's really, really random. Are you sitting on the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and who says it? Zena says it. Yeah. Gabrielle. Yep. Oh, I can picture that scene. <laughs> okay, this one's tricky, but I will tell you who says it. Autolycus says this one. Distracts me? A beautiful woman? Is that from the Cleopatra episode? I, I don't know what the rest of the line is, but I think that's the episode distracts me a beautiful woman something 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 (laughs) all right i'll give it to you i'm I'm telling you these are hard sorry um distracts me a beautiful woman lying in a bathtub that was autologous all right but how many of you guys know all the words to the first verse of jocks are the mighty which version exactly which the first (laughs) verse i think i do but i might be wrong Maybe like I can maybe get to three or four lines. Maybe collectively, I know the answer. But. I mean, it's Jocks roams through the, the countryside. Um, is this? But he never needs never needs a place to hide. hide. With Gabby as a side With Gabby as a side With their little stick, writing wrongs, writing wrongs, and singing songs. 
be mighty all day long. Is Jaxa the mighty? Yeah. Jaxa yeah. <laughs> is it. one of my first AIM screen names. I love all the songs. Wait, really? Oh, my first AIM screen name was I Have Many Skills. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. That was a very difficult game. Yeah, if you had gone like the bittersweet lyrics, I'm sure we would have done like a lot better. I mean, we can. Let's <laughs> let's dive into a musical bittersweet. Um... Oh, what am I asking for? Here? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, it's one of my favorite episodes. It's so good. So um, what else do you think uh, in your life was inspired by Xena? Because we were talking about AIM screen names. Um, I actually named my first YouTube channel, I Have Many Skills, mm-hmm. and it was my Xena online community name. But uh, is there any other like Xena references that you guys have in your life? Well, people ask me all the time. My son's name is Soren. But I did not, I mean, I know Zena's son's name is Solon. It's not the same name. But people, the second they hear my son's name, they're like, oh, my God, did you name your son that because of Zena's son? No, it was a complete accident. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> but it's like, what? I wouldn't, Zena's son got murdered? So, no, I would not have done that on purpose. No. <laughs> what a terrible thing to do. It wasn't like he was a bad kid, though. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't his fault. I, just, I feel like. That's oh, kind of like a bad oh. omen. Oh. Like, I'm going to name you for somebody who is murdered. That's fine, right? <laughs> I feel like at one point I, I was like, your son's name is the mix between Solon and something else from Xena. And I was like, I wonder if that's how she got um, his name. But obviously, I can't remember it right now. Who's everyone's favorite character besides Xena and Gabrielle? Joxer narrowly beats out Italicus, just like a little bit. <laughs> I would say Joxer, besides Zena and Gabrielle. I was also always like a little more partial to Gabrielle than Zena. I don't know why, but uh, besides the two Joxer, I think. I really love Alti. I thought she was just so over the top all the time. Like anytime she was on screen, I'm like, what is this? Oh my goodness. <laughs> she was yeah. terrifying. Even just the first introduction of her where she like comes in with the young girl and she's meeting Xena for the first time. You're just like, oh, this woman is like terrifying. The blood, like yeah. the headdress. And yeah, she had the voice and she just was terrifying. And, you know, Callisto was a threat, you know? Like you felt like the stakes were pretty high with Callisto, but there was definitely something about Alti that you were just like, yeah, I'll take on Callisto. Because <laughs> <laughs> Alti would murder you in multiple lifetimes. That is true. That is really true. Um, so what do you, what do you hope that, cause you know, obviously we're all fans of Xena and we've all taken away something that really means something important for us um, from the show. But what do you guys hope that, you know, other people can take from the show, especially like, you know, I know uh, Jessica, I know your son watches Xena and has even dressed up as Xena for Halloween or was that for a convention? What is it like getting to show a younger generation a show that you love so much? It was actually for gay pride. I was going to be, I got asked to walk in the pride parade of Xena and my son found out and he was so upset that he was like, well, why don't I get to walk in the parade dressed like Xena? And he was like five. And I was like, cause you don't dress like Xena. And he's like, well, whose fault is that? So in three days, he's sassy. So in three days, I had to make him a Xena costume. I like overnighted a little kid's black wig on Amazon and 
he dressed up. I called him baby Xena and took a million photos. And we went to pride together as Xena and little Xena. And he was eating it up. He was so serious all day long. He had like the Xena, like very serious. He had his little chakrams. He had little mini chakrams. He just did not break character all day. I watched uh, the first episode with my niece over Zoom at the like start of quarantine. Um, and she, like, I I interviewed her like a little bit after and I, I asked her what she liked about it because she had, you know, she was, intru- she's been introduced to superheroes and Wonder Woman and Batgirl and, and she liked, you know, just from the first episode that she's, you know, Xena said she wasn't always good, but she wanted to do good and be better and that she was committed to that. And she's like, I want to see her continue to do that. And then she promptly watched like five episodes after we got off the, after we got off Zoom. Cause it was like, we had a terrible connection. It was like rough from on my end, but then I kept getting uh, videos and, and pictures of her and I got her action figures on eBay and, and she has been fully, uh, she has my old plastic chakram. She's been fully indoctrinated now. Good job. That's amazing. <laughs> and you actually wrote a really, really beautiful article about sharing that experience with your niece um, no, thank you. Where yeah. can people find that just in case people want to go check it out? Yeah, it's on E! Online. Um, I've tweeted it a bunch, but uh, I, I think it was uh, int- called like introducing the uh, the power of Xena through like social distancing or something like that. It, it was more emotional than I thought it would be because I thought I'd also be sitting there with her to do it and but also doing it over Zoom and then kind of having this bond and this closeness that, you know, over something that I love so much. Um, and kind of having that like human connection through a screen, which we're all doing kind of right now, uh, was was more emotional than I thought it would be. It's just so cool. It's crazy to me because, you know, as I was a fan and going to conventions, I was seeing these young kids. I actually, um, for Pride Month this month, I interviewed a couple who met at a Xena convention. And after the interview, one of the girls sent me an email saying, I have a photo of you and I at a Xena convention back in like 2010 or 11. And I was like a little tiny kid. And now she's like married to the love of her life. She met her wife through Xena. And I'm just like, this is nuts. Like Xena truly does resonate with people all ages, all, all just walks of life. And so I'm curious if you think people are still going to be talking about Xena 25 years from now. Do you think uh, we'll still be talking about how it has really impacted people? As long as it stays on streaming. Yeah. Yeah, as long as people have access to it. I think that's huge. Because everybody, especially in a time like now, people get bored and they just go searching for something new. What's what people aren't talking about on Twitter. And you can find Xena pretty easily on a few different platforms. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I didn't even think that it would be talked about this far in the future. Not that I really thought about that to begin with, but so if it can last this long, I'm sure we'll be talking about it 100 years from now. Well, not us. It's, it's like crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's crazy what streaming has done for television and making shows generational and just, you know, you have this access where you can just turn on the TV. You don't have to rely on the DVDs that you burn through or the, the VA, your old VHS copies of the episode when it was on at like 6 p.m. on Saturday or whenever, when it was like originally airing, like you just have this content at your fingertips and it's just so easy to, to share and to kind of have this bonding experience. I had it with my dad with the X-Files. I was too scared to watch it growing up and I went as an adult, went back and, and watched it and then covered it when it was came back. And it was, it was like, again, it was like an emotional experience that I didn't expect to have over television, like on that level, just like two people bonding over, you know, 
these fictional characters that it's it's so cool and and amazing to, to witness and be part of. Yeah, it's it's crazy because I feel like, you know, because there is better access to television these days, it does allow for a younger audience to be able to watch these shows. I mean, I remember when all when Xena came out on um, DVD, I went I was like in high school and I saved up all my my money and I went and they were expensive. They were like 60, 70 bucks for these, like for a whole season. And I wanted all six seasons. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, babysitting and doing like all these side jobs just to be able to get enough money to buy all my DVDs. And I still have them. And, and, and one of them is signed and it just, you know, they just mean so much to me, but it is so incredible that, you know, people can discover a show like Xena just on, on a streaming platform, which is just so cool. It's just so cool. If we do have time, I have one last very embarrassing. I'll tell you my most embarrassing Lucy moment. So back in 2016, I was working with sci-fi at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And I was basically in charge of like interviewing celebrities who would come through this like sci-fi lounge that we had. And I'm there and, and there's just been like casts and different people coming in and out. And usually we have like a list of the people who are going to come in. And I, this was my first year working with sci-fi and they, one, one really nice woman came up to me. She's like, Hey, uh, we're going to have someone in from uh, Ash versus evil dead, uh, Lucy Lawless. Um, so you may want to like look her up and uh, yeah, she'll come in here and we just need you to take some photos with her. Um, Cause you're kind of like our, our lounge correspondent. And I was like, who told you? I looked at this woman and I was like, yeah, okay. Who told you? She goes, who told me what? I was like, very funny. Like, okay. I know we have the walking dead cast in like 30 minutes. Very funny. She's like, no, seriously, this is a last minute edition. Lucy Lawless is coming here and you need to do these things. I was like, do you even realize how big of a fan I am? No, I can't. I'm not prepared. What am I going to do? And one of my really good friends was there with me and he's just like, calm down. You're fine. Like, this is your moment. Like you're here, you're working, you're going to meet her in a professional setting. It's going to be great. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. This is awesome. Like, yeah, professional to professional. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool. I got this. So then Lucy comes in and everyone's like, Hey, we need you to, you know, here's Katie, you know, have, take some photos with Katie. And she's like, Oh, great. And she grabs my hand. Lucy double grabbed my hand not just a normal handshake. She double grabbed me and I, I was like, hi, nice to meet you. I had already met her. She didn't know that. Um, she double grabbed me and, and then I go to pull away and she's just not letting me go. And she goes, I know you. Why, why do I know you? And I'm, I go, uh, uh, she's like, you've interviewed me before. And every good interviewer knows that the answer to that question is, of course, yeah. Guess what I said? No, I go to Xena conventions. <laughs> she drops my hand so fast no. and goes, oh, and just like <laughs> didn't speak to me. <laughs> I, I was like, no, <laughs> this was my moment and I ruined it and I got made fun of. By pretty much all of my friends, or still to this day, 
for being an idiot and not just saying, yeah, yes, of course, I have interviewed you before. Have you washed that hand since? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> so where can, where can everybody find you? So are you guys on Twitter, uh, let us know where everyone can find you if they want to check out more about you. Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter, it's just Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Harnick, H-A-R-N-K, there on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's uh, Emily J. Writes on Twitter, Instagram, and also emilyjwrites.com, where I cover scripts and lots of Xena and just different episode breakdowns, and also on uh, tvlaunchpad.com for interviews with writers of different television shows. I'm Jessica Kraus on Instagram, Jessica Kraus in a cosplay on Facebook, and I'm rarely on Twitter, but when I am, I'm drama addict. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you have one of my favorite uh, Xena cosplays. I just think you are one of the most perfect Xena cosplayers that you can find. Thank you. I get lots of lots of hugs. That's my favorite part. Like I love just going to conventions and, and sharing in the Xena love. Cause it invites people over when they see me dressed like Xena. They're like, I'm going to walk over there and talk to her about Xena. I'm like, perfect. Bring it. Let's do it. Let's hug it out. And let's talk about Xena. Honestly, I think that's how you and I met. <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty sure I went Xena. <laughs> and we've been hugging it out ever, ever since. since. <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for joining me uh, on today's podcast. It's so wonderful to get to chat about Xena and the impact that the show had on so many fans in so many fans' lives. Um, so thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.